Welcome to Enigmatic Metallic Podcast, where we respect fashion's past, analyze fashion's present, and get excited about fashion's future. I'm Liberty Ampoff, founder and creative principal of fashion media company Manic Metallic. Once a week, we'll bring you episodes about exciting things happening in fashion, discussion about current things facing the industry, and the places and people that have made the fashion industry great. We'll have a mixture of episodes with guest interviews and solo episodes, all designed to challenge your assumption of what fashion is, who it is for, and who can participate in this industry. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Instagram at the Metapathology Podcast and at Metapathology. We'll link in our show notes. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the Metapathology Podcast. I'm Liberty, your host. We're in our first episode of season four, and I feel that I should have given you all more of an incoming notice that the next season was coming, which I actually did for our newsletter subscribers. So get on that subscription list if you haven't already. I'll link that in the show notes. But I was doing so much behind the scenes work on both the podcast and on the overall business of Magic Metallic that I didn't get to do so. And we've got a lot to talk about for what Magic Metallic has been up to and where we plan to go next. But let's get to that in an upcoming episode, maybe. As for right now, though, we figured that it'd only be appropriate to lead off the new season of the podcast by doing a wrap-up of Fashion Month. The plan for right now is to do one per week until we're done with New York, London, Milan, and Paris. But please know my life, if we don't get to them all, I'm gonna try my best. With each Fashion Week, I'm going to have five different groups. Initial thoughts, perennially chic, collections that were nice but not groundbreaking, honorable mentions, and keep an eye on. In general, those groups are pretty self-explanatory, but I'll talk a little bit more about them as I get to each one of them. Now, without any further yammering from me, let's get into our wrap-up of New York Fashion Week. So first, we're going to go with initial thoughts. It's basically... Collections that, for whatever reason, I felt like I should expound upon them, whether that be for positive or negative reasons, but I've got seven of those groups, and I want to start with Helmut Lang. Now, I know that other journalists weren't that enthralled with Peter Doe's debut collection for Helmut Lang, but I think that he did a fine job. He didn't blow anyone away with new ideas, but do you know what he did do? He was able to reference Lang without straight up copying it. The collection had that Helmut Lang sense of simplicity and wearability while managing to bring those house concepts forward to our current time. And I still think that it had the Lang cool factor. Problem is that other members of the fashion media chattering class set the hype factors so far through the roof that it was almost as if anything that Peter Doe did was destined to not meet their expectations. What they should have done is allowed him to simply present the collection and stop setting these expectations unnecessarily high for no reason at all. Leave him alone. The collection was fine, and I look forward to seeing what he does for his next Helmet Lane collection. Let's talk about Christian Siriano next. He was inspired by ballerinas, but I'm not sure how what he produced is ultimately a tribute to ballerinas. For one, ballerinas are stylish, and what Siriano had to say on the runway was not. You can't design different iterations of tulle and ribbons and say that you're inspired by ballerinas. He at least tried and looks 45 
46 and 57 with two beautifully designed dresses that would easily make it to the red carpet. But overall, this collection is most certainly a no. Dirt, let's talk about Hilary Tamor's Kalina Strata collection. It was designed by AI and then executed by the Kalina Strata design team. Design inspiration was the fact that designers are still having to put on fashion shows right now despite climate chaos. So the models had these freakish smiles on their faces to symbolize the hiding that has to be done of true feelings during fashion week slash month. They stopped smiling at the end of the show as a show of relief. So in my view, first of all, you can always simply not show if you don't feel like it for whatever reason. This fashion system may make you feel like you have to put out a collection, but you absolutely do not have to. We actually wrote an article for Manic Metallic on this possibility of just not showing last September before the start of the spring-summer 2023 collections. We'll link to it below. Second, I am generally intrigued by Kalina Strata's theories and inspirations behind her collections more than I am the actual garments. That is no different this time. This spring-summer 2024 showing gave a vibe of sustainable climate dystopian wasteland, and I'm not sure if that's the vibe that they were hoping to convey. Let's go to Ralph Lauren. It was nice to see Ralph back on the runway in New York. He's one of our standard bearers here in the States, and with all of the upheaval that New York Fashion Week has faced, it was good to have him back as a source of stability. As for his collection, one of the more interesting design moves was his different takes on denim. Also of note were the various looks that pair jewel tones together. I in particular thought that the purple-green pairings were pretty great. He also gave us what he generally does. A mixture of casual American fare and high-gloss, glamorous formal wear. Is this new? No. Does it have to be? Also no. But sometimes it's nice to have different iterations of a brand's code that offer just enough incremental differences to keep us interested. And it was an American collection from head to toe. And I know that American fashion can get a bad rep sometimes, especially from our European counterparts. But there is nothing wrong with designing collections from an American sensibility. And that's what Ralph Lauren did. And that's what he always does. I also want to jump into Palomo, Spain. The romantic beauty traditionally seen as the domain of women was brought to pass here in this Palomo, Spain collection in men in a magnificent way. In Alejandro Palomo's world, everyone gets to share in the comforting world of passion and love, irrespective of gender, and I'm in love. I'm in love with the collection. I can't really describe it over audio. You've got to see it to understand what I mean. Yep, go look it up online. It's amazing. Next, we're going to go to Kate. And I think that the strength of Kate's spring-summer 2024 collection was the delicate but strong interplay that was present in her dresses. The tailoring and their suiting and... Their outerwear also demonstrated a desire by designer Catherine Holstein to shield a wearer from what's become a sometimes terrifying and hostile world. But there is beauty and strength, and women can be both. 
So last Sunder Initial Thoughts, we're going to talk about Stott. I actually really admired the minimalism and the calming blue, for the most part, color palette of the Stott show. It was a well-rounded collection in terms of items available, plenty of dresses, but also tops and pants and skirts. Love the balance. Sure, the clothes were simple, but you could tell that the quality and longevity was there. And that's arguably the most important thing. So let's get to the perennially chic section. I've got three collections here. These are basically collections that no matter what happens with fashion weeks and trends and different modes of wearing clothes that come out, these brands, in my view, are always chic. And the first collection here is going to be Bevza. I believe that Zvetlana Bevza is a criminally underrated designer. And this particular collection, I loved her newsboy caps on runway. The slim cuts were amazing, and there was a perfect blend of minimalist and sensual. Next, we're going to get the Jason Wu collection. Wu's collection was a mixture of the prettiness that his work is always known for, and pieces that were literally rough around the edges. Even the prints were served upright. I'm not generally a prints person, per se. But these that were inspired in part by scientific drawings were well done without hurting my eyes, which most prints do. And I even liked the sandals. Overall, this collection was head to toe good. Last one in the perennial chic category is Sergio Hudson. His work is sensual, colorful, well-tailored, wearable, feminine. I don't know, you really can't ask for much more from a designer than you can from him. Next, we're going to go with collections that were nice, but not groundbreaking. Collections that I'd even likely wear, but they weren't bringing much new to the table. Prabal Garang, Jonathan Cohen, Peruza Schooler. You know, Jack and Lazaro's collection was not interesting. It was not good or bad. This was a collection created to sell. And sell it will because there are attractive pieces there. But... It doesn't have that much of a spark to it. I also think Alice and Olivia would fall into this category. Michael Kors, of course, I mean, it's Michael Kors that we're talking about here. He knows his client base well, and no one will ever be able to take that away from him. But his collections don't usually take any deep risk. But there were beautiful pieces in this collection. Just not any that break new ground visually or conceptually. Last two in this category, Love Shack, Fancy, and Bachelor Mishka. Honorable mentions here, these are basically ones that were, I think, really nice collections, but I don't feel that I had enough to say about them individually as a show. Perennially chic, sure, they could have fit under that, but again, I had nothing really to elaborate on them about. So honorable mentions, Joseph Altazara, Tori Birch, Gabriella Hurst, Carolina Herrera. Last, we're going to talk about these six collections to keep an eye on. These are basically collections by new or new-ish designers that are young, in most cases, talented, and I believe have a long career in the fashion industry ahead of them. First, Grace Ling. She opened her fashion line after stints at Tom Brown and Rowe, and it shows. Her work isn't so much body conscious as it is conscious of the body. So you get looks that make no moves to hide women's bodies, 
whether that involves showing the midriff or fashioning a full-length transparent dress while still managing to maintain taste. Second collection is Forme. Paul Helvers' show was the simple but chic collection that I did not know I needed to see. Many will enter the contest to see who can be the best minimalist designer and few will win. Forme is one of the winners. The layers are so thin and they're perfect for layering and easy to allow these garments to be a canvas for your own makeup and accessories, creative pairings. And I got calmer and more comfortable just looking at these clothes. Next up is Tanner Fletcher. The duo behind Tanner Fletcher have created a brand that is both highly playful and highly quality. The way that this collection was styled and the models that were cast made the clothes seem stylish, cool, and approachable all at the same time. I wouldn't want to be friends with the Tanner Fletcher wearers of the world. They've been nominated for the 2023 CFDA Vogue Fashion Fund and deservedly so, and I look forward to seeing their future collections. Next collection is Ashlyn. This collection, I love that the pieces are tailored perfectly but not constricting in the least. And I also like how each piece falls on the body, whether it's her blazers or dresses or otherwise. Ashlyn Park, a Korean designer who previously worked under the masterful Yoshi Yamamoto, among other big design names, also takes sustainability seriously. And she's actually done two things that Manic Metallic has suggested in previous articles could be two solutions to the sustainability crises. She operates on a made-to-order model and only does two collections per season instead of doing four. I love Ashlyn's aesthetics and I love their mission. So we're down to our last two designers now. Next up is Melita Baumeister, and she is honestly one of the more compelling designers at New York Fashion Week these days. She's one of the only ones really pushing the envelope and doing something new. Her sculptural work that happens to also be wearable makes what she does interesting. This time she mixed in neon green and neon orange in different intervals with her black pieces and white pieces. Her snake print was interesting at times in this collection, but it was a bit heavy handed at others. Aside from this, I have no complaints. The last designer is Kate Barton. And this collection by Kate Barton really got my attention. I actually never heard of her, at least until now. She graduated from SCAT, that's the Savannah College of Art and Design in the state of Georgia. And what's really nice about her work is that her designs aren't derivative. She works to refine her own methods as opposed to following what her contemporaries are producing. Like Melita Baumeister, Barton's work centers around an element of sculpture. But unlike Baumeister, some of Barton's designs allow for more of a draped quality to pair with that sculpture. It's edgy, it's creative, and it adds a much-needed shot of innovation to New York Fashion Week. And that's going to be it for this episode. We're, like I said, going to try our best to do a similar episode on London, Milan, Paris, but please don't kill me if we don't. Our next show coming up will actually be an interview episode. We've got our first interview of the season. I think that you're going to get a lot out of it. Steve's a really good guy. 
And in terms of further continuing the discussion on New York Fashion Week and what shows were best, what designers could have done a lot better, I've actually created a Pinterest board in which I've been uploading some of my personal favorite designs from the New York collections. And I'm going to link to that in the show notes in case you guys want to go over, take a look at it. Let me know what you got to say. And DM Matic Metallic also if you have anything to add, whether you agree with me or disagree with me, I still want to hear from you. Just again, DM us at Medic Metallic. And also make sure you rate us, review us, and subscribe to the podcast. Tell as many people about us as possible. We're looking to grow the podcast. We're looking to have a really good, better year with season four of the Medic Metallic podcast. So Yeah, anything that you can do to help us to grow, you know, if you like what we do, then we'd really, really appreciate it if you do that. So thanks so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one. Thanks for listening. If you got value out of today's episode, it'd mean a lot to me if you'd rate, review, and subscribe to the Manic Metallic Podcast. Be sure to tell all of your fashion-inclined friends and co-workers about the podcast as well. This would really help us to spread our message about fashion being an art, discipline, and force for societal change. And don't forget to stay in touch with us by subscribing to the Manic Metallic newsletter and following us on Instagram. Feel free to reach out to us through either of those means. I'd love to hear from you. I'll link these all in the show notes. You're the best. See you next episode.